I am uh, excited about um, beginning this series with you. We uh, have been talking about emphasizing something with prayer for quite some time. There has been a, uh, really, I think, a movement of prayer going on in the midst of our church from months ago that has brought us to say we need to, we need to just do this church-wide emphasis on prayer in this season. And so I'm excited to get into a little series that we're going to be doing about prayer. Uh, again, I want to encourage you, if you're not in a life group, I want to encourage you to find a life group. I want to encourage you to get the book and, uh, and look through that. It's 12 chapters. We're only doing five as an emphasis. And uh, what we do in those books, we won't be really talking about here in the service. So they're not duplicate kind of things. But it's good materials. I've been reading through the first lesson, getting ready for my group. And uh, so I'm excited about that. But, you know, when I think about prayer and I think about what God uh, is doing among us, um, I, I oftentimes come to a place of prayer when I, when I just say, I have to ask myself the question, um, God, is it okay? I, I, God's asking me that question. Is, is it okay to do anything in your life? That's what prayer is saying to God. God, I have... I have this situation, and God, I, I allow you to do whatever you want to do. That's, I guess I want to challenge you to that. That today, as I share with you, and as we go through this series, and we're thinking afresh and new about prayer, would, would you come to prayer with that heartbeat that just says, God, anything you want to say to me, I'm, I'm ready to hear. Anything you want me to do, I'm ready to do. Anything you, you want me to be, I'm ready to be. And just kind of approach him with that mindset. Um, today I want, I want us to talk about uh, what I think are, actually we'll be doing this several times over the course of the, the series. But today I want to begin this talking about prayers that are just absolutely off the wall, ridiculous prayers that we find in scripture. And, and so today I want, to, I want us to talk about one of those and, and those moments. And it really comes out of the life of Moses. And he has um, an amazing life. Most of us know that story. And I'm going to fill you in in just a second here. But at the end of all that, he prays um, three really over-the-top, why in the world would you pray a prayer like that kind of prayer? Um, and so I just want you to know that's where I'm heading. I'm going to get to three prayers at the end of all this. So just... Roll along with me. But I want to, I want to tell you the story of Moses because it, it's really quite fascinating. It actually starts before Moses. It starts with, with Joseph. You know, Joseph got slow, sold into slavery, went down to Egypt. He had all these troubles and everything. But he, but he really came to a good place. Uh, um, Joseph said, you know, what you planned for evil, God meant for good for the salvation of many. And, and so it all turned up in, a, in the famine that uh, Joseph's brothers and family and all came down and lived with him in the land of Goshen, which was this beautiful land. Uh, I, I have no idea, but scripture says it's a beautiful green land, perfect for pastures. And they brought down their flocks and their families and they lived there. And life was wonderfully good uh, as long as Joseph and the Pharaoh were still around and alive and everything was good. But time passed and Joseph died and the Pharaoh died and, and 400 years passed. And 
in that 400-year season, the, the Israelites multiplied like crazy, but they also multiplied their labors, and they became slaves of the Egyptians. You, you remember the story. So they became slaves of the Egyptians. They're the ones who built all that stuff, and they, they, they just were worked to death. And, and uh, along the way, we come into the story of, Joseph, or of Moses, because you know, the people were multiplying so quickly that the Pharaoh said, well, all of the male babies, just kill all the male babies, and the, the girls you can keep, but kill all the male babies. And, and Moses was born, but he was so beautiful they couldn't do that. So they hid him away. And the Pharaoh's daughter found him. And, and he went in and he was trained and raised in Pharaoh's courts. And, and so Moses is along and, and he's out there. And yet he knows he kind of lives with a foot in both worlds. So he's been raised in the, in the land of the Egyptian pharaohs and, and, and the ways of them and trained with them. And, and yet he knows his heritage is really with the Israelites. And, and so he goes down there and he sees uh, some conflict going on down there. And he ends up killing uh, a, an Egyptian. And he thinks, well, nobody's going to know. He stashes them away and nobody's going to see this and nobody's going to get it. And so somebody finds out and he's in big trouble. So he runs away. He runs into the wilderness. And, and while he's out in the wilderness, he, he finds his wife and he gets a lady and, and his family and he's herding the sheep. And, and lo and behold, he sees a, a burning bush that's being burned but not consumed. And, and he does the natural kind of thing that we do. He stops and says, oh, I think I'll go check that out. And, you know, that, how many burning bushes have you seen? Right. Not too many. So that yeah, makes sense. I'm going to go up in the mountain, and see the burning bush. So he goes up the burning bush. He gets there and he hears a voice from the burning bush that's not being consumed. It's the voice of God. And he and they say to Moses, you know, take off your sandals. I'll land you're standing on his holy ground. And so he stands there and he falls down his face. And and uh, this burning bush, the voice out of the burning bush says, I and this is really important. You need to remember this because this sets this whole story up. He says, I have heard the cries of my people. Remember that little phrase, my people. You want to remember that. So I said, I've heard the cries of my people and I'm going to send you, Moses, back down to Pharaoh. And you're going to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And of course, Moses said, oh, yeah, that sounds good to me. Right. That's what we always do when God speaks to us and leads us to do something. Oh, yeah, that's good. No, Moses says, there's no way I can do that. You know me. I can't talk. I can't put five words together. You know, I've never been eloquent of speech. You know, I can't pull this off. I, what in the world's going to go on? And, and God says, Moses, what's that in your hand? He's got a staff. And he said, no, it's not a staff. It's a snake. Turns into a snake. Pick it up. Turns into a staff again. Uh, puts his hand. Puts your hand in your tunic. Takes it out. It's leprous. Put it back in. It's not. I mean, signs and wonders. Wonderful things are happening. And, and Moses finally says, what does he say? Well, that's nice, God, but I can't do this. Who are you going to send with me? And he said, and, and, and so God says, okay, fine. You go, I'll send your brother with you. It'll be okay. I'm going to talk to you. You talk to your brother. Well, it'll all work out. So he finally says, okay, I'm going to go. So he goes down and he goes back down to the Pharaoh and he goes down to his people. And his people are so excited. Oh, Moses, you're the murderer. So glad to have you back with us. You know, it's this exciting day. Okay, good. <clears throat> so he goes and then he says, I'm, and he says to the people, I'm going to go talk to the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh goes, oh yeah, that sounds good. So he goes in, he says, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Isn't there a song like that? Did we sing that? <laughs> Let your people go. Ooh, doo, doo, doo. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, so he goes into Pharaoh. He talks to Pharaoh. And he says, Pharaoh, <clears throat> you know, Pharaoh's so excited to see him after all these years. And uh, says, uh, Pharaoh, I, I've been talking to God. I've got a word from God to you. And that word is, you need to let my people go. And the Pharaoh, of course, goes, well, of course we do that. Wrong. He says, oh, 
So you have so much time on your hands, you must need more work because, you know, idle hands are the devil's workshop kind of thing. And he didn't say that. I just add that in. And uh, so he says, I'm going to double your work. So you go and work all the more. And he goes back to the people and he says, man, I've been to see the Pharaoh and you'll never guess the good news. And they all went, oh, yeah, right. What is it? You get to work twice as hard for nothing. And they're like so excited that Moses is there. And so Moses says, okay, I'm not going to be daunted by that. So he goes back again and he says, you know, Pharaoh, you need to let the people go. We're going to go out in the wilderness. We're going to sacrifice. We need to go with our families, our wives and our children and all of our animals. And, you know, we just need to go because we don't know what's going to happen out there. And so we're going to go. Of course, you're going to let them go. And Pharaoh, of course, says no. And, you know, all the plagues that go along, you know, one after another. And the people are so excited because life is good with flies and, you know, frogs and blood in the water and all the kind of the rest of the stuff. And so they're really excited about Moses being there, man. You're our leader. I'm so excited. And uh, so they go through the whole thing. You know, the last one comes and it's the it's the Passover angel kind of thing. And the firstborn of all the families die and all the animals die, except for, you know, those that have the blood over the doorpost and lentil and all that kind of stuff. And so they, they go and And while they're going out, finally, Pharaoh says, oh, man, just get out of here. Get out of our faces. You're ruining our lives. Get out of here and go. And, and so along the way. Uh, God says to Moses, tell the people, ask the people for blessing. And so as they're going out, they do. And, and they say, hey, have you got something for me? And they say, yeah, here's my gold. Here's my jewels. Here my, here's my fabric. Here's my uh, food and all this kind of stuff. And so the people go out from, from the Israelites and they are just, I mean, they are blessed. They are abundantly overflowing, whelming with good things, right? They've got all the good stuff. They're going out. They get down the road a little pace. They go down there. They're walking through the wilderness. They're going along. This is hundreds of thousands of people. You understand? This is a lot of people. This isn't just like you and me going out there. This is, this is like a whole city packing up and going. And they're out there, and they're out in the middle of the wilderness. And suddenly, the Pharaoh goes, what in the world have I done? I mean, he probably didn't do that because, you know, messed up. I guess he was bald. I don't know. Maybe he did do that. I don't know. What in the world have I done? He says, you know, this is this craziest thing. We've lost all of our workers. We've lost our slaves. We work out, lost our workforce. I've, I've got to go. We've got to go get these people back. And so he gathers up the best of 600 of the best chariots and, and a whole bunch of the rest of the military. And he says, we're going to go back and get them out. Now, you have to understand, they're coming from a distance. The cloud is great. And you know what the people are saying? They're saying, oh, what a great day to see God's victory because, you know, he's brought us out this far. Man, this is going to be great. No. The people go to Moses and they say, Moses, what in the world have you done to us? You brought us all the way out here just to die. I mean, Pharaoh's armies are coming and and we're right up next to the Red Sea and there's no way we're going to get through here. What are we going to do? Moses goes to God and says, God, (laughs) What are you going to do? No problem. I'm going to put myself between them and you. You tell the people we're going to cross over the Red Sea. Okay, so you know the Red Sea parts. You know, I don't know how they did that in the Ten Commandments, the movie. You know, they kind of... I would love to have been there in the real deal. I don't know how that happened. A lot of people say, ah, it couldn't have happened. They didn't have that. It couldn't have crossed like that. God doesn't do that kind of thing. I say, well, if that wasn't the miracle you like, then you have to like the miracle that all the armies of Egypt drowned in three inches of water, right? Well, one or the other is a miracle, right? At least one of them. So, so they, they do that. So they get across to the other side and, you know, the, you know, the water comes by and all the armies are wiped out and they do their thing. They're out in the desert. They're going along. Things are good. They get, I mean, they get like three days under their belts. I mean, it's, it's a pretty good call for them. Three days under their belt and they go to Moses. Moses, Moses, what in the world have you done to us? 
You brought us all the way out here and we're just going to we're going to die of thirst out here. There's no water in the wilderness. Why in the world did you bring us out this way? So. People go to Moses. Moses goes to God. God, (laughs) what's the story here? And God says, water out of the rock, water out of the rock. I don't know how much water it takes, but you think hundreds of thousands of people and water out of the rock. That must have been like a. Kind of like our little pipe up there when the flood was going. I don't know. The big pipe, you know, water is literally coming out of the rock. And so all the people have water and things are good. I mean, they've got water. They're happy. They're going along. I mean, they made all of maybe another three days. And they go, Moses, Moses, what's the world's going on here? We've got problems. You brought us all the way out here to die. We've got water, but we don't have any food. What are we going to do? People come to Moses. Moses goes to God. God, what are we going to do? God says, you know what? In the morning when the dew falls, pick it all up. It's going to be something that like bread. Uh, we call that manna. So they went out. Next morning, it came up. They had dew on the ground. Pick it up. It's like bread. Every day they pick up the bread. And the last day of the week, they pick up for two so they don't have to do anything on the Sabbath. And, and they, they have this thing. They're going along and things are really good. God is good, right? They have a whole history of God is good, right? They have a history of of miracles of the plagues. They have a history of, of provision for them for their journey. They have a history of God parting the Red Sea. They have a history of water. Now they've got a history of food. And life is good. They are ready to go all of about three more days. And not, not really. They go quite a ways after that. And, the, and then they go, Moses, Moses, why in the world have you brought us all the way out here just to die? We're so sick of this bread. We're so sick of God's provision for us. We want something different. We want meat. So, people come to Moses. Moses goes to God. God, what are we going to do? God says, these ornery people, I don't know about them. I don't know if he used the word ornery. That's probably just my addition there. But these people, I think he used the word stiff-necked. That was later. But he said, these people, they don't get it. I'm going to give them meat. I'm going to give them so much meat that they're going to be sick of meat. And, and so they bring in and there's all kinds of doves and ant, birds that fly in and they kill all the birds and they're eating the birds. They eat so much bird uh, flesh that they are sick to death of bird flesh. And, and, you know, people are dying and it's just a mess. And, you know, they're going along and things are going. And so they're doing their thing and they're going along. And finally, okay, they finally get it. Okay, we're going to trust God with the man and we're going to trust God with the water. And we're going to go along. And they finally get, they finally get to Mount Sinai. And Mount Sinai is an interesting place because Mount Sinai is this, this mountain. And, and uh, God calls Moses up on the mountain. And he's up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and it's, it's clouded over. And, and God is giving to Moses the Ten Commandments. I'm giving you the paraphrased version of Exodus. So we are now Exodus chapter 20. God's giving the Ten Commandments. So he gives him the Ten Commandments and he goes on his way and he's beginning to walk through all the process. And he's telling him all the all the really exciting things. The first few chapters are really exciting. Then you come to the 20 and that's pretty cool because it's Ten Commandments. And then it goes on and he begins to tell him all about the temple. You know what the temple explanations are? I mean, this is chapters and chapters of you're going to make the curtain this long and this tall. and It's going to be made out of this stuff. And each corner is going to have a, a gold bracket. And you're going to have six brackets down one side and six brackets across tall. And you're going to have a, a stand and a base and a cross piece on that one top of that. I mean, it's chapters and chapters of what you're going to wear and how the temple's going to look and all that kind of stuff. It's a long story. So that's why it took 40 days and 40 nights. Can you imagine writing all that stuff? I mean, it's not like they just hear, hand it to him. Here's a computer and a thumb drive and take it down and give it to everybody. I mean, it's 40 days and 40 nights. Write all this down, he says. So he does all that. And he comes down there. Well, while he's, while he's up there, the people are in a panic. One more time. 
The people are down below and they're saying, I don't know what happened. All we see is this cloud covered mountain and we see fire and smoke and it's it's a mess. And they come to Aaron and they say, Aaron, Aaron, we've got a problem. We don't know about this. This Moses fella. <laughs> That's what actually says that in my version. It's this Moses fella. <laughs> We don't know. He, they didn't even call him the leader. He didn't call him the guy who got us out of out of the promised land, brought us out of part of the Red Sea and all that kind of Just as Moses fellow, we don't know about him. Uh, he's probably toast up there and all that stuff. Make for us idols so that we can pray and make sacrifice and find our way in our direction. And Aaron, being the strong man of God that he is, he was left in charge. He says, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And so he says... He said, well, bring me all of your earrings, all of your golden earrings. So bring the earrings of your wives and your daughters and your sons. I don't know about the men. They got to keep their earrings, I guess. And so bring your all the earrings to me, all your gold. And so he brought all they brought all the gold and they, you know, they put it in the fire. This is kind of important. So put it in the fire, melted it all down. They made a bronze or a gold, the golden calf. They shaped a golden calf and, and they took a, a chisel and they, which is a no, no in God's eyes, took a chisel and and formed up that idol with that chisel. And then Aaron says, Tomorrow, prepare yourself or we're going to have this big celebration. We're going to make sacrifices and we're going to have a big feast and we're going to celebrate uh, your new gods. So that's all going on down the valley. Up on the mountaintop. God says to Moses, Moses, you need to get down there right now for and you need to remember this for your people are messing up. And you need to go fix it. And so they go down. He goes down the mountain and he finds it just as as all the people are doing this. And I'm just telling you, this is where sin, this is, this is the nature of sin. Moses goes to Aaron and says, Aaron, what in the world is going on here? And Aaron says, wasn't me. Wasn't me. Who was them? Isn't that the nature? I mean, that, that, that is the nature of sin. It wasn't me. It was them. And Moses goes, well, what happened? And he said, well, you know, you were gone so long. The people got wearied and, and they came to me and they said, we need an idol. And so they, 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 they brought the idol and, and, uh, and they put it in the fire. And, and lo and behold, just came out of the fire was a golden calf. Isn't that funny? I mean, just a chapter before, they just described how Aaron had been the one who had shaped it and molded it and made it what it was. And suddenly, like, it wasn't me. It just kind of came out. Just kind of came out that way. <laughs> so in a story, you know, God gets all upset and things happen. And, you know, it's kind of Old Testament, so a lot of people are dying and all that kind of stuff. And, and Moses goes back into an encounter with God. And they have this little conversation. And God says to Moses, Moses, step apart from those people. For they are a stiff-necked, willful people. And I am going to destroy them. And I'm going to start over with you. And I will make all the promises that I made to Abraham true to you and your descendants. Now you have to think about this. 
This, this, is a, this is a critical moment in history. God has just said, Moses, you're the guy. We're going to wipe these people out and start over with you. And you have this history. I'm sure Moses has this history in his head. <laughs> when God calls them the stiff-necked, willful people, and he's going, let's see, we went to Egypt, and they were kind of not very good. They, we, got, you know, we left there, and we got to the Red Sea. They weren't very good. They got across, and they weren't very good. And the, the water was there, and they weren't very good. And the food wasn't very good. And all these failures of, of these people. I mean, when you see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and yet, Yet they're just a mess. And this is when you need to hear the first absolutely crazy, ridiculous, over the top, doesn't make any sense, but still the right prayer to pray. And Moses prays in chapter 32. He says, Oh God, would you not relent? And turn your anger away from your people. That doesn't make any sense, does it? God has just said, you're the guy. They've messed up. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to wipe them out. And Moses is saying, God, don't do that. God, these are your people. Don't do that. Don't harm these people. God, don't do this to these people. It's the kind of prayer that makes no great logical sense. But spiritually makes all the sense in the world. It's the kind of prayer that we pray for each other. That we say, God, for all of the crazy things that we do and say, all the stuff that happens amongst us, we pray still, God, bless your people. God, hold your people together. It's the pray, prayer I pray over you all the time. God, Hold your people together. God, have your presence here. And God answers his prayer. God says to him, okay, Moses, I won't wipe, and hear this, I won't wipe your people out. <laughs> you love them that much, you can have them. But I will not go with you. I will let them go. I will take them to the promised land. All the promises of I made to Abraham will they'll be fulfilled in their lives. They can they can have all the land. They can have all the stuff. They can have all that. But I'm I'm not going. Because if I were to even spend two seconds with them, I would wipe them out. You just take your people and go. And Moses says, God, if you don't go with us, don't bother to send us out of here. And he prays for the presence of God to be in the midst of his people. Another one of those ridiculous prayer requests. 
But it's the reality that that all 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 this people gathered together, all the activities of the people of God, all of that stuff makes absolutely no difference if the presence of God is not in the midst of it. And Moses prays, God, let your presence be among us. And if your presence is not among us, there is no reason. I'm now in chapter 33, if you're looking. There is no reason for us to even move out of this place. For what will distinguish us from all the other peoples of the world? What's going to be the difference? We're just going to be one more people group out there wandering around sleeping in tents at night. It is your presence among us that makes all the difference. And then he prayed one last prayer. And he prayed, God, show me your glory. He said, I, I pray that your presence would be among us as a people. But I said, God, I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to experience you. And this is the guy who has already been at the burning bush. You remember this? Already been at the burning bush. Already been 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of God. Saw the finger of hand writing the Ten Commandments down. This is the guy who has already had a lot of spiritual experience. And he is praying, oh, God, show me your glory. Oh, God, I want to see more of you. I want to see you in all that I am. God, it's not just enough for your presence to be around. Overflow and infill my life and roll out of me in such powerful ways, God. I just want you. God says, my face you cannot see, but my glory you will see. There's a place, a cleft in the rock. You know the song and the story. There's a cleft in the rock and I'll put you in it. My hand will cover it. And I'll pass by and you will see my glory. And I, and I guess what I want to just say to you people, church, as we begin this prayer emphasis that that God invites us into big prayers. He invites us into ridiculous prayers. He invites us into prayers that that don't make any sense and yet make all the sense in the world. He invites us into prayers for the people. Prayers for each other that say, God, hold your people together. Even in the midst of, we don't have good track record, we don't have good history, but, but God, hold us together. Don't give us what we deserve, just hold us together. Prayers for the people. And prayers for his presence that says, God... It's only your presence in the midst of this. That prayer for God, a movement amongst us in this church is my prayer. A movement of God amongst us as we pray. A movement that says God just sweep across us in ways that we have never experienced before. In ways that lift you high and transform who we are as a people of God. And the reality is this is that movements across our congregation don't happen if we don't have personal revival. If we don't have that personal sense of God's glory coming upon each and every one of us, a hunger that says, oh God, I just want you, a longing that says, God, fill me up. Not my brother, it's not my brother nor my sister who's in need of prayer, it's me. 
God, fill my heart to overflowing with your presence. When our hearts are overflowing with God's presence and God's glory, it does something in the midst of us. The presence of God is so easily felt. And his people are guarded and protected and sent out into great kinds of things. God welcomes crazy, ridiculous prayers. Amen? Those are going to help me serve communion if you'd come and prepare yourselves. Let me pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for who you are. You invite us. You invite us into crazy big prayers that only you can answer. You do that, God, because you love us. Your goodness and your faithfulness is forever. You do that not because of who we are, because we have uh, so many times fallen short, but because of who you are. Because of that kind of love, Lord, you you came for us to redeem a people. (laughs) And you suffered and died on our behalf that we might have life. And this day we celebrate you, your love, your sacrifice. Lord, may we see you in fresh new ways. May communion this day be part of that means of grace where we see you afresh and new. Our spirits are enlivened by your presence as we reflect and we remember your broken body and shed blood. Lord, we also remember that you are coming again. And one day we're going to see you. And until that day, Lord, we will faithfully love you and follow you and trust in you. So, Lord, we give you permission to do what you want to do in and among us. Bless us now. Us and these elements, may they together just point us to you. Be honored in all that we are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.